This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Ephesians chapter 1, we're looking at the second half of the first chapter of Ephesians, beginning at verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that by your Holy Spirit you would speak to us and apply this word to our hearts and lives that we may have the eyes of our hearts opened. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a series called ID Check, a study of Ephesians, and we're in the second half of chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. And today's message is, what does it mean to open the eyes of your heart, which is mentioned in Ephesians 1.18. Now, you may remember the story about Elijah. Elijah. Elijah was surrounded by an army that was out to get him and bring him to the king and queen where he would be executed. And the servants saw all this army around to get one man because he was spiritually very powerful. And uh, the servant says, we're goners, we're in trouble, we're dead dogs, this is the end. What do we do? And Elijah prayed and asked that the eyes of his heart might be opened. And when they were opened, he saw chariots of fire surrounding the army that was there. Greater were the number that was with them than the number that were against them. Kind of reminds you of Romans 8, uh, that if God be for us, who can be against us, right? But what was important is the servant did not see that at first. Using his physical eyes, he thought there was 
going to be an end to them. Using his spiritual eyes, he saw that God was protecting them. And this is an answer to prayer. Notice also that Paul's prayer in Ephesians 1.18 parallels his prayer in Ephesians 3.16. So let's read verse 18 of chapter 1 and then 3.16. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know, and then three things he wants you to know, the hope, the riches, and the power of God. Chapter 3 and verse 16 we have this. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You see, you have an outer being and an inner being. The outer being is your body, which is the shell, the tent, if you will, your outer exterior, and your inner being is your true self. To have your heart, the eyes of your heart, the center of your being enlightened, is to have your inner person uh, understand and grasp the significance, the spiritual significance of what's really going on. In other words, to have the eyes of your heart opened is to see true reality. So we look And we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. And when we walk by faith, God helps us to see things that others do not see. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. What does it mean to have, or how can we have the eyes of our hearts be open? I believe through these ways. Through thanksgiving, through prayer, through enlightenment, And that enlightenment is for the purpose of knowing God better and to know God's provisions. And the three provisions God has for us that Paul wants the Christians in Ephesus to know are the calling of God's hope within them, the riches of God's inheritance for them, and the magnitude of God's power in them. So these are the things that we need if we want the eyes of our hearts opened. First of all, Open spiritual eyes through thanksgiving. It says in Ephesians 1, 15 to 16, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. One of the ways that J.I. Packer says in his book, Knowing God, that we can move truth from our head to our heart, the 18 inches from our head to our heart, the way we can move that truth from head knowledge to experiential knowledge is by giving God thanksgiving and praise. When you read something in Scripture, don't just move on to the next thing. Stop and give God thanks for that. Give him praise for that, and something will happen. The seed of God's word, which is sitting on top of your heart, will fall into your heart. You want that to happen, and it happens through thanksgiving and praise. There are many people that you can be thankful for today for the influence that they've had in your life by their witness. 
you have seen that they've had a genuine faith. They were the real deal. They had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they had love for all the people. Sure, there are a lot of hypocrites. There are a lot of people who are bringing shame to the name of Jesus because they're not living Christ-like lives. But thank God for those who live for Jesus. On this Mother's Day, someone has said that we learn all of our virtues from our mother's knee. And we learn all of our vices at some other joint. (laughs) Aren't you thankful for godly mothers who lived out their faith? Paul thanked God for Timothy's grandmother and then for his mother because genuine faith was in the grandma, in the mom, and then seen in Timothy, who served as a pastor. It all begins with having that genuine faith in Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's something I shared with the Sunday school class that was rather profound, that when I was in seminary, Gene Getz wrote a book called The Measure of a Church. He says, how do you measure a church's success? By nickels and noses? That is, by its giving and by its attendance? By its missions program? By the size of its building? No. Paul, every time he wrote to a church, he noticed three things about them. The measure of a church is whether they are marked by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, by love for all the saints, and by hope that gives them endurance. You read 1 Thessalonians, you read 2 Thessalonians, you read Colossians. He starts off by saying, I'm thankful for your faith, your love, and your hope. That's the true measure of a mature church. So what we have here is that Paul is acknowledging their faith in the Lord Jesus and their love for all the saints, but he's praying that they may gain the hope dimension. Because when you have the hope dimension, it gives you perseverance. It helps you to keep on keeping on against all odds. So you could be strong in faith, you could be strong in love, but weak in hope. Later, in the book of Revelation, when Jesus addressed the letter to the church at Ephesus, he says, you left your first love. And it's important that we have all three, faith, love, and hope. We open our spiritual eyes through thanksgiving, and secondly, we open our spiritual eyes through prayer. Ephesians 1, 16-17, Paul says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. This is very important that you notice the two aspects about prayer. I have not stopped and I keep asking. Prayer is something that we do and should do on a persistent basis. This past Thursday, I was at the 
concert of prayer at Neighborhood Church for the National Day of Prayer. And Derek Sanderson, who led us, said, uh, look at Elijah. Um, he, Elijah, he prayed that it would not rain, and then he prayed that it would rain. But when he was praying that it would rain, he sent his servant to see if there was a cloud, and there was nothing, and he had to pray persistently seven times before even a little cloud the size of a man's fist appeared. The point being, be persistent in prayer. Don't give up. Pray until something happens. The word push, P-U-S-H. Pray until something happens. So when you're a mom, part of your factory equipment is worry. Positively, it can be turned into prayer. And I'll never forget this um, illustration of a mom praying for her child while she's washing the dishes, praying for her, mom, for her kids while she's doing this chore and that chore. She was just constantly concerned for her kids, praying for them. Aren't you glad someone prayed for you? I am. My grandmother prayed that I would be a man of God while I was in my mother's womb, and she died a month before I was born. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to hug on Jesus, and then I'm going to find my grandmother and thank her that she prayed for me. Your prayers are powerful. Paul, when he led a person to Christ, that person was their spirit, his spiritual child. And then when he had a church, that was his spiritual children. So obviously, he labored in prayer that they would stand firm in the faith and that they would understand all that they have in Christ. And that's why he never stopped praying and he kept on asking. And what he asked for was that God, our glorious Father, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would give the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Some people just don't get it. You say something to them, and it goes right over their heads. Paul doesn't want that to happen to the Christians in Ephesus. He doesn't want that to happen to us. He wants the Holy Spirit to so reveal to us supernaturally how rich and powerful and glorious we are in Christ that we would be changed that we would have an aha moment that would transform us. That's what he's praying for. And it's got to be divine. It's not something that's just going to happen because you read some inspirational book. The Holy Spirit gives us wisdom and revelation. But this comes through prayer. Open spiritual eyes come through grasping. And you know, in the outline I said, come through um, enlightenment, but I didn't have enough room on the page to say that. And so I thought, what, what other word can I use? And I came up with grasping. As a person who has studied the thesaurus all of my 40-plus years of ministry, I appreciate getting the right word. The word grasp can be both mental and physical. I grasp that concept, and I grasp the Bible. It's mental and physical. And that's why I chose this word, because Paul, praying for the Christians, wants them to get 
three things and really understand them and to apply them, to put them to practice, to tap into the resources, the provisions that are theirs in Christ. So if I told you, you just inherited a billion dollars, and you say, oh, well, that's nice, and you still live in the shed of a house driving the beater, you don't get it. You just inherited a billion dollars. What? I think I'm beginning to understand this. My life has been changed. What? I can draw on those resources and live a better quality life? Yes, you got it. Grasp it and apply it. Grasp it to apply it. Yes. So Paul is praying, God, give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they may know you better and open the eyes of their heart. That's his prayer. It's something that we need to pray. Lord, help me to get it and to put it into action. May I understand the implications of what it means to be in Christ, and may I implement what I have in Christ. Open spiritual eyes are for the purpose of knowing God, so that you may know him better. When you came to Christ, you came to know God at the level that you understood him at the time. Let's say you received Christ as a little child. You didn't know much about Jesus. But as you grew, guess what happened? There was a crescendo in your life. The crescendo is that you got to know God more, and along the way, you got to yield to his lordship more. So the more you learn of who God is, the more you yield yourself to God. It's a crescendo. It's an ever-growing increase in knowing God. The more you know him, the more you yield to him, and the more you get to know him more. So you know Jesus more now than you did as a little kid. But also the implications of that are you've got to surrender to his lordship. And that's what Jesus defines as eternal life. Eternal life, according to John 17, and the words of Jesus, is to know God and the one whom he sent, Jesus. So knowing God is what it's about. Open spiritual eyes is also for the purpose of knowing God's gifts, God's provision. Okay, let's talk about that billion dollars that you inherited. Are you excited? Are you on the edge of your seat? Yes, I want to know all that I have in Christ. Please tell me how I am a spiritual billionaire. Open my eyes. I want to get this. I want to understand this. What are the three things that I need to spiritually grasp how wealthy I am in Christ? Here they are. That you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. So these are the three things that Paul is praying they would grasp, that we need to grasp. 
the calling of God's hope within you, the riches of God's inheritance for you, and the magnitude of God's power in you. Now watch this. The calling of God's hope within you looks to the past. God, before he created the heavens and the earth, had you in mind. And he picked you, he chose you, so that you would be holy and blameless in his sight. He had a plan for you from the beginning. And he will not fail in that calling to conform you to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. That was a calling in your past. And it gives you roots. I have been chosen by God for a purpose. But then the riches of his inheritance for you are future. When you get to glory land, your house is going to outshine the sun, to quote an old song. You have riches that you cannot even believe in terms of spiritual, eternal rewards that God has for you. And what blessed my heart was reading a book where it says, God's not just going to say, here's all your crowns and here's all your riches. He's going to also unfold them in an ongoing way for all eternity. Hey, by the way, here's another surprise. Here's another surprise. Isn't that amazing? The riches that 1 Peter 1.4 speaks about are unfading, they're preserved, they're kept in heaven for us, and we're being protected to have that. So we've got that in the future. What do you think we need in the present? Power. We need power, and that's what the Ephesians were lacking. They needed power, and that power comes from having hope, and when you have hope, you have endurance. But if you lose hope, you can be strong and successful, but you can be blown over by a feather. Is that not true? If you cave in on the inside, you have fallen, no matter how strong you are. You need hope. You need the anchor that will keep you strong in the midst of the storm. Our hope is in the Lord. That's the key. We must hang on to the calling of God's hope within us. And we must look forward to the riches beyond imagination which God has reserved for us. But we need power right now. So let's look at that, because that's what Paul spends the rest of the chapter focusing in on. He's trying to help them grasp what power is theirs in Christ. And you know, sometimes you have to make a comparison. When I went to marriage uh, enrichment, um, they say, ever try talking to your spouse and saying, uh, I feel sad. I feel sad like the time when I found out that my dog died. Oh, I can understand how sad you feel because I remember how sad you were when your dog died. It's taking something and likening it to something else so you can get it. 
So he says, let me tell you about the power that is yours in Christ. It's the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. In other words, God's power is seen in three historic events. Number one, the resurrection of Jesus. Number two, the enthronement of Jesus above all as king. And number three, the headship of Jesus over the church. If God, by his power, can raise Jesus from the dead and put him in charge over all and have him be the head of the church, what can he do for you? What can't he do for you? There's no limit to what God can do for you. Now, to get this point across, look at verse 19 because it has four power words in it. It says that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted. You have power, might, strength, and exertion. These words are very strategic. In other words, these four Greek synonyms for power represent something. God has given you power to begin something, and to finish something. That's the first word, power. God has given you the ability to finish well. He's given you finishing power. Do you believe that? Because it's yours. Secondly, he's given you energy, which is working power, ongoing power. Ever see the commercial with the Energizer bunny? Keeps on working and working and working. That's the energizing energy that God has given to you as a Christian. So he's given you finishing power. He's given you ongoing power. He's given you might. The ability to face obstacles and overcome them. He's given you overcoming power. And then finally, he's given you his strength which is the actual use of power, activated power. You know, when I was in physics, you had potential energy and kinetic energy. Potential energy was energy that could be used, but it's not being used. It's got the potential to be used. And kinetic energy was energy that was in motion. You have energy that's in motion. You have power that is usable and powerful and forceful. So you have finishing power, Ongoing power, overcoming power, activated power in Christ. Think about it. To put a man on the moon took a computer the size of a tall building. And now the same power is right here in this smartphone. The power to raise Jesus from the dead was immense. We can't even begin to find the words to communicate that. That power now resides in you. So now, what difference does that make for your life? 
If you feel like you're, you want to quit, you want to resign, you just want to give up, you don't want to play anymore, you don't want to be involved anymore, God's power is available to you. God did not give us a spirit of resignation, but he gave us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. That power is yours in Christ. When you feel you're too weak and you can't go on, the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, if you're grasping this and grasping this, you're saying, now, wait a second. I need this message. Because too often, instead of grasping the power that's mine in Christ, the resurrection power, the exalting power, the all-authority power of Christ, I tend to complain, I tend to whine, I tend to just check out, pull the covers over my head, I tend to stuff my face with food, I tend to be uh, on a shopping spree trying to self-medicate. What's going on here? You don't realize the power is yours in Christ. Why don't we try thanking God for that? Why don't we try praying that God would open our eyes? Why don't we try to get to know Him better and to know His gifts that are ours, that we have hope, that we have riches, and we have power in Christ. That's what it's about. Open your eyes. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.